0: Views, your news, your limerick today with Joe Nesh on Live 95.
1: Now you may well have watched Ortiz's new panel show on television, Upfront, hosted by Katie Hannon. And on Monday's program, the show saw a panel talk about the impact watching pornography can have on young minds. If you did see it and you have children, I wonder were you as shocked as some of the people around here and indeed those on Twitter when a secondary school teacher shared with the panel what kinds of content children as young as eight years old may be exposed to and in some cases have indeed been exposed to um, according to what he was saying. And Limerick Psychotherapist and Sociology Lecturer with Toos Midwest, Karen Sugru, is with me in the studio. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm great, Thanks great for having to me on see you on and, and great to have you in the studio for the first time. We've chatted you on the phone loads during we the have. pandemic and after it. So yep. it's fantastic to, to, be here. to have you in here. Uh, this this is just, I mean, I, I suppose you could accuse some parents of naivety, maybe myself included on this, but when you hear a teacher, you know, who's well connected to that world of young people saying that children as young as eight could be exposed to porn, did, did that surprise you?
0: no. Not at all. Um, I think that that what we need to be do what we need is to be very realistic about this. Um, we're the adults in charge right now, and it's on us to have our eyes wide open when we come to things like porn. But there's a much wider issue as well. Um, we, we need to be aware of how much porn is consumed in Ireland. So, for example, a fifth of men in Ireland watch porn daily. Um, it's a huge industry. It is watched by everybody in this building and everybody that's listening today. And that's absolutely fine. So what we need to do is move away from, from being afraid to talk about it, move away from any kind of shame-based uh, discussion about porn. It is what it is. No, I will say, when you just said that, I flinched. And I'd say I a lot it. of listeners yes?
1: would yes. have flinched. Yep.
0: And I think that, you see, this is the problem. We're not talking about it. Now, this is in the wider context of the, the new sexual health education curriculum going to the Department of Education this week. And we need to be really, really clear as parents and educators and, and, and as just adults in the world at the moment. There is nothing more important than getting the education of sexual health right for our children from the age of four and five when they go into junior infants. We have to get it right.
1: How do we manage that, in your view?
0: Well, we the first thing is that we have to be very, very honest with ourselves. Uh, porn is very easily accessible. It is free online. Um huge number of kids from the age of eight up have access to smartphones, so they can get it. They also have access, as they always did, to older siblings they all have it. So this isn't a new process, it's just a new medium to get at porn. Does it not
1: make it easier though?
0: It, I mean it, it does, there's no question about it and so because of that it is on us, but it was always on us to make sure that our, our kids are literate about online issues and about porn. So we need to talk about porn literacy education. Now, I think that the huge kind of um, debate that has come since the program on Monday was about people saying that they didn't want their kids learning about porn in school. But porn literacy isn't about learning about porn necessarily. It certainly isn't about being shown porn. But it is about improving critical thinking skills regarding things like body image comparisons dissatisfaction um because the problem is that our kids are using porn to learn how to do sex now this is the problem we need to provide all kids of all times have been curious would you, would, about sex I,
1: I mean this all sounds very advanced karen mm-hmm. but when we live in a society where people still don't like or necessarily want to hear young children use the anatomically correct names for body parts. I mean, the way that people react if a young child says penis Mm -hmm. or vagina. Mm -hmm. You know, parents, a lot of parents do not want, they they want it to be called PP or... Mm -hmm. Whatever else might be, you know yes. I mean that's the reality and and, and, if, and if and it is seen not by everybody, but it's seen by a lot of people as odd if a child says My they... penis or my vagina.
0: Yes. And this is the problem. We have a cohort of adults who themselves are unable to talk about their penises and their vaginas and their body parts openly. They don't want to talk about sex or orgasms or masturbation or the reality of sexual health so what we have then is uh, recent studies have shown that there's actually a reduction in parents talking to their kids about sex um, so where are they going to learn
1: because I remember I mean you know in a slightly different context the late great Vicky Phelan yeah.
0: um,
1: on this very show mm-hmm. and on other programs talking about the impact on her body mm-hmm. of her cancer yes And, you know, sexual health being part of that discussion. And her point being that so many people never talk about that aspect of of cancer or the specific cancer that so unfortunately she had.
0: That's right. And there are so many elements of um, being in our bodies that nobody talks about, particularly around sexual health, sexual satisfaction. And so our young people have nowhere to go to find out the answers. Now, very worryingly, uh, a small scale study that I read recently found that the average age of first sexual uh, encounter is 13 and a half going from 12 for boys to 14 and a half for girls. Now I have kids of both those ages so that put terror in my soul. We have to have a mechanism for them to learn about sex.
1: Right. Uh, we're talking to Karen Sugru, Limerick Psychotherapist and Sociology Lecturer with Toos Midwest. Oh, h- How young should we be teaching our children? Let's talk first of all in the school context and what should we be teaching them? I mean, what is age appropriate in
0: 2023? Well, you see, again, the the, the And we can start with very small kids and we can we can start them talking about consent. Now, it doesn't have to be sexual consent when you're talking about four or five year olds. But you can teach them to verbalize their feelings and you can validate those feelings and you can teach them to say no and have that no validated. Those things are very age appropriate. Um, And you build on that. You can do that at home. It's done in the schools and they need to hear messages and know that they want to stop a thing. That will be respected and they are entitled to say no. That's very important for everybody, particularly for girls, though, because girls often get a lot of really, really damaging messages about things that they're not allowed to say no to and things that they have to go along with. And that then brings us to older conversations about sexual consent. So one of the things, the really worrying things about uh, porn.
1: Hey, before we get to that, though, I mean, what about you know body parts and yeah. you know the the physical anatomy mm-hmm. and the the process of sexual intercourse and pregnancy and and, and all of that? Mm-hmm. I mean, how young should that be taught in schools?
0: Um. It's, I mean, that is a very hard question to give a definitive answer on. I mean, my, as, as a parent, I would be always saying that when my kids came to me with specific questions, I answered them truthfully and honestly. And then I would get them books and we would go through the books together. And, we, you know. and
1: what sort of age, in, in your experience, did that happen, that those sort of questions would be brought to you?
0: Anytime from eight on. Um, and very often what will happen from around eight on is that kids are coming home with a lot of kind of misinformation that they've heard in the schoolyard that their friends have said and so on. And they'll start asking little questions. And
1: yet there's that teacher on Ortiz up front yep. saying that, now it was transition year, I think, by the time this student spoke to him about yep. it, but said that they've been exposed upon yep. at eight. Well, which
0: I, can, is... I can, exactly, I can anecdotally confirm that um, is absolutely the case with with cases that we have heard in schools um locally so that is definitely happening
1: at, at that age at
0: that age so
1: in, in in largely in the online context i presume
0: i presume so you know but it's certainly being seen so the thing is everything but, is but in I the suppose, online context I,
1: now is there is there not an argument that if you don't prepare children before their age if you see what i mean then you know they they'd have no reference point and mm-hmm. in your case you know, fortunately, your children were, were willing to come
0: and ask you. Yep. But that doesn't apply in every household. No, it doesn't. And we go back to the fact that a vast majority of adults find it very difficult to talk about this. And so there might it might not be a conversation their kids feel comfortable having. So where do they go? Well, the answer is we know that they go online. And they Google things. And they, um, they come across porn. And this is the reality of it. And, you know, we, we, we really need to get into the nitty gritty of this because if we're teaching our kids the reality of sex and they're going online watching porn and they think that that's what real sex is, therein lies an initial problem. Because real sex, of course, is awkward and funny and has disappointing moments. And, um, you know we need to talk to show them what it looks like to give and receive consent mm. now anyone who's watched porn will know none of that happens
1: yeah um well listener martin's saying well in our day we went to school and we found it all out for ourselves and we were fine martin says now they have this nonsense online it's brainwashing i told you the day would come this technology would corrupt our young people says martin who's pointing the finger at the technology
0: I mean, I, I I grew up in Ireland in the 70s and 80s, and we did not learn it at school, I can tell you that. And if you look at the stats, and the stats tell a very, very clear story, we are actually, um, if you look to things like um, gender-based violence, the Irish Human Rights and Equality Commission only last month said that Ireland is at crisis point for gender-based violence. There is a very clear link to the huge amount of porn being consumed to the high levels of gender-based violence.
1: Interestingly, a listener saying something similar. The video content online is why you have young men today before the courts landed in trouble uh, for what they did. Uh, What are the men of today handing down to their children about respect for women, says this listener. And I question that. And uh, another listener says, I'm 42, Joe, married with three kids. When I was 15, I was totally and utterly ashamed of my body hair, mortification. I felt no man would want to have sex with me. But the reality was very different. And young girls today think similar things now when it comes to Botox, you mm-hmm. know, lips, their bodies, etc. Yeah. And they also feel the need to perform during sex, yes. says this listener. Uh, someone needs to tell them in school, mm-hmm. this is all nonsense, uh, says this mum, who was asked for her name not mm-hmm. to be revealed, which is fair enough. Um, but even in that instance you kind of go isn't isn't it interesting, she doesn't want her name to be revealed I mean, it just, it kind of underlines the discussion we're having, doesn't it? Exactly,
0: that we can't openly talk about worries about body hair and what our genitals look like and the reason I mention that is the one key thing that has been shown that people go online for porn is to see what other people's genitals look like and make sure that their own look okay there's been a massive increase for example in vaginoplasties in Ireland (coughs) excuse me, and that's Absolutely linked to watching porn and and having kind of negative comparisons. And um,
1: Aoife says that one of the contributors to that show in her 20s talked about seeing porn for the first time at primary school age and how it upset her, saying the one thing she remembered from it was there was no emotion, void of any love and care as she was taught about relationships, and it left her very confused it was very sad to listen to this experience that uh, this uh, woman had as a girl. How are parents supposed to protect their kids from this kind of exposure when there is so much availability online, asks Aoife. It's a very fair question, isn't it?
0: It's a wonderful question and thank you to Aoife for highlighting that. Um, the thing about porn is that it's primarily aimed at cisgender heterosexual men and and fantasies around that, which means that it, it tends to have depictions of women and the LGBTQI people that are often extraordinarily degrading and demeaning and dehumanizing. And that's where it links to, you know, the wider issue of rape culture and violence against women. So it's creating a culture of dehumanization of women and LGBTQI people. So that's an initial problem. The other problem, as Aoife so rightly said, is it doesn't have human contact in it It is performative. It is very, very aggressive. It involves highly aggressive, penetrative sex primarily. Um, and very often things like choking. And so what, what young men, and it is, you know, primarily young men who are watching this, they are learning that that is the kind of sex that they should be doing. And young women are learning that that's the kind of sex that they should want to have done.
1: Yeah, Cassandra is making that point on 0861239595, saying, I saw the TV show, Joe, one thing struck me was the fact that young women admitted that young men think slapping or choking in relationships is normal. Are they really only learning things from porn videos? Are parents not stepping up to the plate here and having the conversation with their children? It was frightening watching that TV programme this week. Is Is there any evidence around what is happening in homes? What sort of home education is going on at all in the country?
0: There is a number of studies, and I'd really recommend people go onto the um, Active Consent Hub, which is an NUIG website. It's got a huge amount of brilliant videos um, and and educational. Um, pieces that you can go on and it, it, it addresses those things. But unfortunately, really what's coming out is that there is very, very little education going on in homes because parents are not equipped. Parents are our age. They weren't taught themselves how to address this. Um, they don't have the language. And we as a society have not given ourselves the language or the permission to talk about this. So how can they possibly talk about it with their, their kids? And, and does that mean then that
1: there is no way in one generation of breaking that cycle that this will be a multi-generational approach?
0: Well, it, it absolutely has to be a multi-generational approach. However, we are the adults in charge right now. It is on us to step up. Oh, don't say that, Karen. I know, it's a hard the. Don't say we're the adults in charge. <laughs> it is on us, unfortunately, to step up and break that cycle. One of the things that I've been doing is I've been, doing the free online training by the the active consent people in NUIG you just log on there's no pressure people there's a lot of fear around sex so people think oh my god if I'm doing training around this what you just go in and listen there's a group of other parents they're asking all the questions that they want to ask to to a group of like-minded parents it's a wonderful safe resource
1: what is happening with the curriculum then in this area
0: well, we we won't know the content of the curriculum until it goes through the Department of Education. And obviously, there's a huge number of, of very interested people who are on tender hooks about this. It's very, very problematic. Can I just say, because this is something I really wanted to raise... We we were talking about quite abstract things sometimes, but the reality is doctors have come out and said that very, very young teenagers in the order of age 12 and 13 and 14 are coming to them with really serious anal tearing. Um, and this is because young people are learning how to do sex from porn. Mm. And people in porn don't put on condoms and don't right. use lubricants. Ra-
1: rather than the proper educational process. Rather
0: than the proper so, educational process. So this is how serious but, but, it is. But
1: do you think that there is any real prospect of an updated curriculum Getting into that sort of detail, and at what age will that happen?
0: Well, I would be very, very disappointed if an updated curriculum didn't talk about having to use lubricant mm. as a minimum. I would be very disappointed. However, I do take your point, and there is a lot of interest groups out there. And See, I tell you why,
1: right? Because this. this is something that that I mean, I think you were saying to me during the break that you know this is a societal mm. issue, and you, yeah. you alluded to that in your previous answer. But the truth of the matter is that people in the Department of Education are not separated from larger society either. You know, they're they're us. I mean, we have a tendency to do this with politicians as well and say, oh, politicians, they need to be different and and whatever. Well, no, actually, we (laughs) elect them. They come from our communities and they probably have the same uh, reactions to some of this. So what ends up coming out can often reflect that. And on top of that, it's what they feel they can sell politically. And the Minister for Education, Norma Foley representing um, a constituency down the road in Kerry, Mm -hmm. is going to have to explain to the public, to her constituents and everything else, what this will ultimately be, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And I think, you know, we have to understand this in the broader political context. However, we have now got a situation where we have the reality on the ground is that STIs are a serious problem. We have outbreaks... Sexually transmitted infections, sex, yeah. Sexually transmitted infections. We have a very serious outbreak in Limerick, of chlamydia, um, of syphilis, of HIV. All of these things are young people have and are transmitting. And they are not using contraceptives. They are not carrying condoms. And the only way to address this is through mm. the education system.
1: So what you're saying is the train has long left the station and we have to chase it down in a faster vehicle and get on board.
0: Absolutely. There's no question about it. I mean, if you go back to 2018 when we voted for repeal, one of the things that we voted for in repeal was a very, very comprehensive um, education piece that would was shown internationally that would reduce um, unplanned and crisis pregnancies so we know all of the things that we want to address crisis pregnancy, STI um, violence against women and girls all of those things can be really beautifully addressed mm. by addressing by, by building the yeah, education and it's,
1: it's an interesting point isn't it I mean we put a very large burden on our teachers. Yes. in truth. And it's not just relating to this area, it's relating to lots of different things. Yep. You know, we all do this uh, from time to time, going, oh well you know, gee, was, uh, do I really have to do the reading lesson tonight? Sure. You know, Mrs. Yes. So-and-so or Miss yep. So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so, we'll do that tomorrow. Yep. You know, that, that, that happens. And yet on this particular subject from what you've been saying, lots of people listening to this programme are reluctant to teach it at home. Yep. But there are also people who want a level of control over how it's taught in the school. Yep. Which doesn't happen quite as much with history.
0: Yes, exactly. And... This, this is where we're at. We're caught between a rock and a hard place. We know that education will address the things that we're talking about. We know that. It's empowering and it can be done beautifully and, and inclusively. Uh, it can even, we also need to, by the way, address the absolute silence in our education system around LGBTQI issues because they are a cohort who can't find any kind of information for themselves about their sexuality and, and, and you know, sexual identities. So they are also going online and seeing all of this desperately harmful stuff. So there's a huge gap here. But I really wanted to say this about teachers. Teachers are the unsung heroes of, I would say, almost everything. And I have a huge problem with the Department of Education landing this enormous task on teachers. Consent education is highly specialised. When you were talking about consent, when you were, you know, instructing students and and getting them to to tease this out, you are absolutely going to be um, addressing things that have happened to those children. You cannot ask untrained people to go in and do that. But yesterday I met a student teacher who was two days into her placement who had been asked to teach sex ed in that school. Now, that's absolutely appalling. (sighs)
1: Finally, for now, and we'll certainly bring you back to talk about this, when would you expect we'll have sight of uh, this curriculum?
0: I, I don't know, but we've been told that it will be rolled out in September. So um, I, I would presume in the next few weeks...
1: Okay, well, when that happens, we'll certainly be talking to you and to others again because it's a fascinating uh, subject. And hey, so uh, listen, thank you so much. It was really day. interesting to talk to you in the studio uh, this morning. That's Limerick psychotherapist and sociology lecturer with Tooth Midwest, Karen Sugru.
0: Your views, your news, your Limerick today with Joe Nash on Live 95.